Mitty? Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Hi, campers. Welcome back to another new episode of Campfire Adventures. Hi, I campers. <laughs> I was going to say, I said, welcome. <laughs> well, my name is Dylan. I'm your host for this week's episode. And you got Patrice and Jay Dizzy here to help me with today's festivities because I'm going to tell you guys a story today that might get us in trouble. It's about the hash-slinging slasher. And his friends. And his friends could theoretically be connected to the government. And we decided that the best place for us to tell this story is where Lori and I had told the story about the Phoenix Lights. You know how we had mentioned we were in um, California, we're behind Camp Pendleton. Well, we went back to the harbor, and we are going to talk about a phenomenon that's been known to society for a very, very long time. But thank you, everybody out there in podcast land for listening the way you've been listening. I'm just so honored and humbled that somebody out there is listening as much as you guys are. And hopefully you're appreciating it as much as I, you know, love the opportunity to tell these stories. So thank you so much, podcast listeners. And thank you to Patrice and Jay Dizzy for being here. With all those thank yous given around, we got a good story that we may or may not be able to release because of government interference. But hey, so get your foil hats ready. It's time for us to open up a drink. <laughs> we are chilling around the portable campfire. It is set on red mode for danger. <laughs> and it's time for us to get into this week's story. For this week's story, we're going to cover a topic that I've actually wanted to cover for a really, really long time. I just don't think that I ever figured out the best way to tell this story. And if I'm being completely honest, well, I've recently embarked on a little mission where I was going to participate in Ramadan for a few days. So when trying to write this story, I was dying of hunger and thirst. So please forgive me if it's... Not exactly what you're hoping for. But I think altogether I was able to come up with a decent story. And Jay Dizzy has some input she's going to put in. And Patrice will say a couple things. So the idea and the subject matter that we're going to talk about today is that of the men in black. Do, do, do. Exactly. And no, I know what you're thinking. Like Will Smith and... Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jeez. Jones. Oh, we're all just a bunch of haters, aren't we? The real star of the show. I was thinking it was the aliens. Anyway, uh, yeah, uh, that was <laughs> so the men in black, right? Tommy Lee Jones. I thought you were, when you said it, I thought you were going to say Jamie Lee Curtis. And I was like, <laughs> oh, her? I know her. Yeah, she looks weird. <laughs> so... Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith are the star of this movie, Men in Black. But that's not the only version of the Men in Black that's out there. It's not just a movie. It actually was created because stories of these beings, all dressed in all black, who'd come after paranormal experiences happened across the world. And they kind of were like thugs. You know, they were trying to get rid of people from being able to, like, express what they had seen or experienced. 
Yeah, I'm gonna jump in when they beat up Dylan after this. Well, there's that. I, I'm kind of wondering if they actually are watching us. We've done over 100 episodes of Cryptids and Phenomena, so they could be listening. But anyway, so there's an idea, and there's a phenomenon known as the Men in Black. And basically, like I said, there are people, an entity, I'm not 100% sure, that come out and after any type of paranormal experience where someone's mentioning what they've gone through, what they've experienced and endured, they usually try to stop the story from getting too much further. They don't want the traction out there. They don't want, you know, smoke or it doesn't need to be turning into fire. And that's what their job is, is to eliminate mass mayhem and widespread panic. Because as we've seen with past events, sometimes when people find out the truth, they just can't handle it. And the first thing they go for is toilet paper. So <laughs> I would assume that if this is their job, you know, like they're trying to avoid something getting bigger because... Like I said, putting on our foil hats, how much information is given to people and they run with it. And if it turns into it being like aliens, right? And then you tell your neighbor and you tell your neighbor and aliens become this whole thing. What's the potential of the first person starting this whole telephone game being like wrong, right? And spreading this paranoia that doesn't have to actually be a thing. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering if that's the whole idea of what the men in black are. Now... If you're wondering, like, are there any specific features, like maybe I've seen them, well, what I've been able to uncover with all the research that I've been doing is that it's a group of men, and there also are women in black, so it's not just the men in black, but they... Yeah, I've seen the movie, I know. You didn't see the new one. Yeah, I did, pretty sure. The one that just came out? There's a new, new one, new one? Yes. What? Anyway, so... There's men in black and there's women in black, and they usually go in parties of three or two, and they're dressed in black suits from head to toe. They even have a nice black hat on. They travel in black cars and even wear black sunglasses. So all decked out, they travel, like I said, in their little group, and they go to areas where people are experiencing different paranormal experiences or, you know, just the idea of, like, a running with Bigfoot, and they try to stop situations from happening before they get out of control now the first instance in the articles that i read that brought up the idea that there are the men in black was a ufo sighting that happened in washington in 1947 now to get specific it was june 21st and it centered around a man named harold Dahl, who decided that he was going to take his son christopher and their dog out on this little mission that he had started so basically he had come up with a contract of sorts with the logging companies in the local area and he would go out onto the water surrounding Mori island and he would collect lumber that was just drifting around and he collected and he'd go turn it in for a profit to the logging companies and it just seemed like any typical summer june 21st day and they were out and about having a good time but out in the distance harold said that he noticed six donut-like figures floating in the sky, right? And they all kind of stopped because although he had this mission that he was working on where he was trying to collect the logs, he's looking at these six different donut-like flying orbs just in the middle of nowhere. And he's looking around, but he only sees them in one area. And it just seemed like it was an awe and astonishment because they are experiencing what will later become known as one of the first and major UFO events to happen in American history. And so they're looking at it, and after a short time, one of the donuts 
came down from the sky. It started to descend. And it started to, like, freak out for a second. As it's described by Harold, it started to lose its rotational, like, stability. So as it's doing that, it started to spit out, like, I guess UFO debris that was raining down hot fire, like metal bits uh, all over the friggin' water around the island. And some of these water bits actually started hitting their boat. And so they started freaking out and then it hit Christopher, his son. So they were really freaking out. And actually, which is a very sad part of this whole story. And if you want to skip this part, I say five seconds, skip this part because it's about an animal. The dog succumbed to some of the metal flying bits and didn't actually make it. So, Harold starts to throw the ship that he's riding around in into full gear and they try to make it back to shore because flaming hot metal debris flying all over the place that's going to kill your dog and hurt your son is just too much for you to be under. You know, you don't want to be around that. So they're getting out of the way. But as he's leaving the area to get back to shore, he says he notices a second orb descend, kind of knocking into the first one that had lost its stability and then getting it back into its regular rotation hmm. so the six orbs all together start to float back to the level that they were at initially and harold goes back to town and he starts to tell everybody at the logging company like hey i didn't bring anything back because you'll never guess i saw six flying donuts and, okay maybe he did say he saw six flying donuts but I saw a UFO, an unidentified flying object and so people in the town start saying like no way this is insane like are you sure? And they're like, look at my dog. You know, like, how did this happen? And like, look at my son. He has these burn marks on his arm. Like, this isn't just normal. Like, this is something that's insane. Like, we were just out getting lumber and now we're sitting here telling you this story. So everyone starts freaking out and the story starts to spread like wildfire. Everybody in the town is on alert because something's going on here. So Harold goes back to his boss and he tells him everything that happened. So the next day, his boss, and his boss's name is Fred Christman, and Fred goes out to the area just to double check. Like, let me see, maybe, you know, Harold had some crazy experience. Maybe he ran into another boat and that's where those metal bits are flying from. He crashed and he came up with this crazy story because he didn't want to pay the insurance deposit. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what it was, but he he's like, let me just go check. And he says that he himself sees a UFO flying over the Murray Island water area. Hmm. And so he's thinking like, okay, obviously Harold's not crazy and I'm witnessing this. And so he actually is able to collect some of the bits of what he believes was that debris that was flying down that day. Mm -hmm. So he takes the debris back and the story starts to circulate and basically they're telling anybody that'll listen like there's UFOs out here. This is insane. And while this is all happening, they get approached by three men, three men in all black with sunglasses. It was said that they pulled out of a brand new black car and they get out and they go up to them and they just basically say like what you think you saw isn't what you saw. Stop saying everything that you're saying because... We're going to kill you. No, they... Well, I mean, maybe, but they said, like, something bad's going to happen. And you don't want anything bad to happen, right? And so they're sitting there like, who the hell are these guys, you know? Like, but as fast as they had gotten there, it's as fast as they left. They basically threatened them, telling them not to say anything anymore. And if they continued to talk, then something bad was going to happen. Well, you'll never guess what they decided to do. Hopefully talk. They kept talking. They told anybody that would still listen. They were like, I got, you know, UFO proof that this happened. Well, it was a few days later. So this happened on the 21st. On the 24th, there was another experience near Mount Rainer in Washington. Do you know where that is? 
Yes, R Mount Rainier. Oh, forgive me. Is it Rainier? Yeah. That's awkward. Anyway, so another incident happened not that far away, right? And this person is believed to be more credible. I mean, that's why I said we should have our foil hats on because... It's Thomas Edison. No. No, this is still 1947. So June 24th, 1947, a third person experiences a UFO sighting. And this person's name was Kenneth Arnold. And he used to be an experienced pilot. So people were like... Oh, you know, this guy's a pilot. He's saying that he saw a UFO. He knows what he's talking about because he should know what an aircraft looks like flying around. And he should know, you know, planes in the area and helicopters or whatever. But he's saying, like, you know, I just saw this thing near Mount Rainier. And it was traveling at a speed that was almost impossible for a ship of our capability at the time could do. Mm. And so he's like, this. I don't know what this UFO was. But it wasn't ours. And so people were like, okay, we believe this guy. He's a pilot. Let's go with this story. So his story starts to pop off. Now, people were starting to lose faith in the idea that Harold and Fred's story was actually true. Because now they have Kenneth here, and they're thinking experience is going to trump this, these two guys who are collecting wood, you know, to make a couple extra bucks, right? And as the story starts getting bigger and bigger with Kenneth's version going around, people are starting to really question what's going on with Harold. So a lot of media outlets were actually still getting involved with the story. So one of them actually went to Harold's house and apparently he caught Harold and his wife in an argument. And I guess the gist of the argument was basically like, we can't handle the press anymore. Like this story's getting bigger and people aren't leaving us alone and people don't know what we saw and they don't believe us 100%. So maybe like... It's not worth the trouble of dealing with, you know, the backlash of people thinking that we're crazy loons. Mm. And maybe we should just say the story's fake. So that reporter goes around telling everybody that the story's not true. And he's saying, like, oh, I've I've interviewed Harold. He's told me himself that this whole story's a hoax. And, you know, like, he's lying. They're all lying. You know, none of these UFO sightings are actually legit, and we should just get over it. Now, during this time, it wasn't just the fact that there were these three UFO sightings. There was actually hundreds of UFO sightings. And if anybody knows their history, then maybe they'd know this. I actually had to look it up. But World War II actually ended in 1945. So they're saying that after the World War ended, that more people started to notice these unidentified flying objects flying through the air. And it just became a normal thing for people to be like, wait, what the heck is that? And then the story started spinning, like aliens are coming to visit us. Aliens are experimenting on us. And the summer of 1947 became known as the summer of the saucers because so many people were reporting incidents. Roswell was happening. The events with Fred and Harold were happening. Then we had Kenneth's story happening. Different things were taking place so quickly, and it was just two years after a major event like this happening. So people were starting to just lose faith in the idea that maybe, like, these people were actually telling the truth. And in order to understand what was happening, people started to develop another area of defense for the United States. And in 1947, that's actually also when the United States Air Force started and was established. The Department of Defense and then the Department of the Air Force were created. And so members of the Air Force were actually tasked with figuring out what happened on that day, June 21st of 1947, with Harold and his son and everybody. So they go to investigate. They do an investigation and ask him questions. And basically what I was getting from that is they told him, like, 
you don't really believe all this, right? Like, this really didn't happen to you, right? And Harold's like, no, it did. And they looked at him like, right? And he's like, oh, yeah, you're right. It didn't It didn't happen. Because also at the same time, they were dealing with media attention that they weren't even, like, really looking for. They wanted the proof out there. But when it turned out that people were just questioning them as, like, some loons, they were like, well, forget it. Like, I don't even want to deal with it anymore. So Harold actually admits and says, like, you know what? Everybody was right. I lied. It's a hoax. I didn't really do this. And then the Air Force says their investigation concluded that none of the events that transpired that June 21st day were anything worth substantial evidence that there was an unidentified flying object. So the story of the June 21st Maury Island incident, we're just done. The story was finished. Now, this is actually the first part in our history where people had stories and accounts that there was beings known as the men in black coming to investigate paranormal experiences and UFO sightings. I don't know if the men in black visited Kenneth. It was more like just this first event in 1947 was the idea that men in black were actually created. And then the story continues and it continues and it developed. And while doing research on various articles, it just became apparent that the men in black were tied with a government institution that was created that same very year, right? And if you remember, the one that I said was created was the Air Force. So looking at multiple articles, I was understanding from people's perspective that people started to link the idea with the men in black to the Air Force Office of Special Investigation. When UFOs were sighted and when people were describing different events about aliens, they would be the ones that were releasing people out into the field to go out and question the validity of these statements. And it wasn't until we did a little bit more research that there was a documentary released in 2013 known as The Miragement. And basically it covers the idea of this conspiracy theory where the people involved in government, specifically in the Air Force, actually use the idea of aliens and UFOs to manipulate regular people. So there is a man known as Richard Doughty, and he basically says, like, if you were wondering if the men in black were real, I'm the man in black. He always wanted No, Johnny Cash is. <laughs> no, he's like, I was one of the men in black. They sent us out because we can tell a story better than anybody could. Now, he might be right with how this story is going in my mind, but I'm doing the best I can with what I got. So he basically says that the Air Force hired him among a team of people who would investigate different paranormal experiences and UFO sightings, and they would send them out there to manipulate media coverage and to manipulate the thoughts and the actions of the people expressing and relaying this information to everybody. And basically, he said, people already believe that there's UFOs out there. Why not spin the tail to actually make it seem like it really was there? And it goes into more detail with... Do you remember reading the article and what they said about some of the people that were they were watching? Well, yeah, well, I remember he was talking about one person specifically where he just happened to stumble across, because the man lived right next to one of the military bases, he just happened to stumble across some of their... Radio station signal. Ra yeah, radio signal. And I'm guessing it was, like, broken up or something, so he thought it was an alien language he was actually listening to. He had then reported this to the military who sent this guy out there, Mr. Dottie. And he was like, you did. That's exactly what it was. Aliens. What else could it be? Good job, buddy. Just go ahead and keep listening. Let us know what you hear. 
So this guy had spent like, you know, years just like listening to these radio transmissions and actually like, you know, coming keeping up with records and accounts. keeping records and accounts coming up with different dialects and whatnot. So much so that Mr. Dottie had planted um, fake alien crashes like along um, this man's like flying route for him to discover and just further feed into his idea that, oh, I'm I, onto something. I, I discovered aliens, there's aliens. And uh, this is just one example that he had given. So it sounds like there was many more. Yeah, they fed into this idea that people really believed in it. And in the article that we were reading, they actually talk smack about X-Files just because, like, uh-huh. you know, it's such a popularized theory that there are aliens out there. And there's so many different ideas about cryptids and them being real that we believe in them. And now, you know, I've said so many times in the podcast, like, if there's a little shred of, like, truth to it, some of that has to be true. And I still really do believe that. But I don't know, like... This article also went into the idea that they were releasing different videos that the Navy had captured of UFOs, which you might have seen. Like, we had covered that idea with Area 51 when I was talking with my friend Rayanne. We were covering the idea that footage of UFOs were being released and the government was finally acknowledging, like, true, okay, aliens do exist, UFOs do exist. But the Air Force still denied the credibility of this because they weren't sure who was releasing the information that was actually getting out there, like the videos. They were like, I don't know who released it, so how do we know they're not doctored? How do we know, you know, if we should even believe it? And it just seemed to me, while doing this research, the Air Force played a big, major, pivotal role in every UFO sighting and every UFO incident. For example, Roswell, when that happened, they were like, oh... You know, like, this is flexible, bending material, and all this stuff. And this leads me to say that this guy, Richard Dottie, he plays people because he thinks people that... People are suckers. Besides that, but he's saying, like, people believe in UFOs so much, it's the perfect cover for what we're really doing, which is creating, like, super high-advanced tactical, like... Air Force equipment. Well, I mean, so, hopefully, that's what we're doing. Hopefully, sure. But, like, with the whole thing in Area 51 in Roswell, like, when that thing crashed, they said, no, you know, like, what we're trying to do is make a weather balloon, and, you know, what we're trying to do is this. It's not really a UFO, but the whole thing was, like, it's a UFO. Like, that's what Roswell's so known for, the UFO sighting. Mm-hmm. But what it really was was a spy, you know, capability weather balloon thingy that they were going to release, and it should float, and it should be ultra super secret and not fall and not look like a ufo right so it's the cover-up in that sense but he basically goes on to say like we are doing some advanced stuff here and yes if you've seen something that seems crazy you know what it is crazy but it doesn't necessarily mean it's a ufo it's just something that we're working on but if the only way for you to believe something is to just make you like feed into this idea of craziness then we're gonna do it and that's what the men in black do they go out there to tell a story better than you can tell it. And if they can convince the population that there's UFOs while they secretly cover up what they're actually doing, then they're going to do it. And that's basically what he's going to cover in this documentary. And that's basically what I found out while looking into this whole thing is that the men in black are an entity that is controlled and manipulated by the government and they're here to do a job and they do it really well and it's storytelling and it's manipulation. Now, the men in black are so important because they just become a part of a culture where we just leave the unexplained unexplainable because 
there's an explanation, but it just gets shrouded in a story. So one of the favorite shows that I used to watch as a kid was Unsolved Mysteries. And basically the show covered so much different, like alien phenomenon, paranormal phenomenon. And one of the things that I remember watching as a kid and um, getting into was that they actually covered the idea of the men in black and it freaked me out a lot, so much mm -hmm. so that we found the video, I'm gonna post it on the website, but I watched it again with uh, Jay Dizzy, and Jay Dizzy wanted to say a little bit about what she saw. So on this video, there was a man who really focused on like UFO sightings and trying to prove that aliens were real. And so he had gotten footage of a UFO, like what he had believed to be a UFO, and he was so dead set on it being a UFO and he was spreading awareness and telling people. And so one day while he was working, because he owns his own auto mechanic shop, a group of men dressed in black, who seemed very weird, came up to him with the paper and told him to go to the IRS at this time and yada, yada, yada. And so when the time came that he did go to the IRS, he just gave them the paper that they gave him and they said okay you can go home now and he's like what you can leave now and so he went home and he had found that his house was ransacked especially his like his group of tapes mm. and he knew that they were looking for the tape of the ufo so basically they were after the information is what you're saying, right? Yeah, they were trying to delete all evidence of there being a UFO sighting. And this happened in Texas. So, so far we know that they've been linked to Washington. Then we could link them to, you know, even the Roswell incident, and that's in New Mexico. Now we're doing Texas. So the idea that the men in black are a thing... It really makes sense to me, like, that they have to be connected to a government agency, if anything. Now, some people have described the men in black as being robots, that they're not actually real, that they're cyborg entities that go around, and they're supposed to be emotionless. Some people have connected them to being forms of the devil, different versions of Satan that are going around trying to extinguish the truth from coming out. Some people have said that they notice that their eyes glow and that they're really malevolent in their nature. Now, my certain belief is that they do belong to the government and they're sent out to stop people or at least control the narrative of people's experiences with the paranormal or with cryptids or whatever it might be. So I don't know if it's exactly the same thing as the movie Men in Black. You know, people have claimed that they take their memories from them. People have claimed that, you know, they threaten their lives and they threaten to kill the people around them. Now, I don't know exactly everything, but I do know that in the certain accounts that we've talked about, specifically for Harold, that incident happened in June of 1947. Now, the Air Force got involved and started questioning things, but they were also created in 1947. And if that was the summer of the saucers, then it would seem that it's the most important time for them to get control of the narrative of aliens and spacecrafts that may or may not be UFOs. So I'm not sure why the Department of Defense and why the defense of, you know, the Air Force was created specifically that year, but if it was to control the narrative, well, they've done a really good job because the Men in Black got to work and they did it quickly. And they were able to get somebody who truly believed in what they saw, like dog died, kid got burned, and basically told him, like, it was a hoax, wasn't it? And he went for it. He just said, yeah, you know what? You're completely right. 
Now, I don't know how I would feel if I was the one who saw UFO or experienced that myself, but I definitely would think that I'd want to double down on my belief in it. So he reneged on his story. It was a hoax. The Department of Defense was created, and so the defense of the Air Force was also created in 1947. The Summer of the Saucers was a hotbed of paranormal activity, but also a really good indicator of when the government started to control the narratives of people's experiences. So do the men in black exist? I 100% believe it. Are they legit living beings? Yeah, sure. Why not? I mean, they have something that they need to do. They have a job that they're hired for, and they're going to do it. And it seems like they're really good at it. Are they aliens? I don't think so. I mean, maybe they could be if we're connected to the aliens in that some sort of way. But they're an entity that's out there to control the narrative. So do we have answers? I think we have a couple of them. Do we have all of them? No. And maybe we could do a part two of this episode to get some more. But we do know the first incident, which was the one with Harold and his son back in 1947. And we also know that Department of the Air Force was created around the same time. So we have some answers, we have some more questions, but I think what we found ourselves is, is at the end of another episode of the podcast. So I'm sorry if it was a little choppy. I wrote it while I was slightly hungry and thirsty, but we got through it and I think it was actually a really interesting story. Unsolved Mysteries is my jam, so that's exactly how we saw some of that information and it helped me get the idea to the story so that way I could tell it to you all. But with that said, I guess we're at the end of another episode, so thank you Patrice and Jay Dizzy for your input. Uh, We're going to get out of here because we got some other things to do. So you'll see pictures of the Men in Black and some of the other um, newspaper articles on our Instagram and Facebook at Campfire Adventures Podcast. And then we're going to have all of our source material. The video that we watch for Unsolved Mysteries, I'll have that whole episode on there. It's really good, so go ahead and watch it because it's nostalgic, if anything, just for the nostalgia. And then hopefully I can find that documentary to post on there as well so you all can watch it. And we'll have to watch it at the same time you guys do. So maybe on Monday, if we all get together, we can watch it that day because it seems very interesting, if anything. And I guess with all that said, well, whether you listen to this in the morning or the evening, I hope you have a good morning or good evening. And I'm going to say bye. So bye. 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 Bye.